Podcast, featuring Jamie, Mike, and Steve. We are back here with another episode for the Nothing But Net podcast. I'm your host. We are missing Jamie again. But with that being said, how are we doing this morning, Michael? I think we're doing a little better than last week with the flu episode. I can say that. At least I'm feeling a little better. How about you, Steve? Yeah, no, I feel a lot better. Um, Pretty nasty cold, but thankfully that is gone and we are back and we don't sound like shit this week. Well, probably still sound like shit, but that's a story for a different day. Um, Mike, man, we had a crazy week in the NBA, man. There's been a lot of drama. Um, we'll start it with our uh, Swisher dish from last week. It was, will the Nets finish as a top three seed? Uh, half the answers, it was 50-50 on a few answers here, and it was split. Some half Swish, half dish. What do you think? So I know we talked about it last week. They had another great week. I don't know if you caught the game last night. They sat like eight guys. They sat Kyrie, KD, um, Royce O'Neal. All those guys all sat out. Ben Simmons sat out. All those guys sat out, and they find a way to get a dub. Uh, do you still have the same view on the Brooklyn Nets? I, I know I do. Like I, like I said it last week, I can't trust them, still can't trust them. Um, but right now, man, they look like they're one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot for me. Yeah, I'll say it. I'll say a lot. It's going to take a lot for me to trust them. Um, I do think they're trending in the right direction. Um, definitely, there's been a lot more positive than negative about them lately. But yeah, I got still got to see more for me to like fully trust them. Yeah, on the court, um, as we've said time and time again, they are who they are. They're they're very talented basketball team. They put all their eggs together. Um, and they and they've done that lately. They put the distractions aside and they've just been playing basketball. Obviously, we know that Kyrie is no longer with um, Nike, but uh, you know it seems like Kyrie's back in the right headspace and back to playing efficient basketball, which is obviously needed for this basketball team to be uh, a contender, as you know they would probably consider themselves. So, with that being said, let's roll into some news and notes, Mike, and we're going to start here at the top. Uh, the biggest storyline of the week really was the Zion Williamson windmill 360 at the end of the game. Usually teams dribble it out. It's one of those unwritten rules, as the old folks would say. Kind of want to get your take on it, um, how you felt about Zion not dribbling it out and going with the 360 windmill. I'll start by saying it's a na- that was a nasty dunk. Um, but I really go both ways with this. He, he made I, – I like his comment that they – they bounced them out of the playoffs last year. Um, you know, the Suns, I saw a clip rolling around, I think it was Twitter, where the Suns actually did this at one point last year. I think it was Bismack Biombo. Like, two seconds left, they just dished it to him for a dunk right at the end, and they're saying how this isn't how you do it. Um, and then, so I, I'm kind of with Zion. Like, you know, they just picked up a, a huge win against a good team, fighting for number one in the West. At home, he's got the crowd energized. He just throws that on. So I don't, I don't hate it. But then again, I, I don't. The Suns got kind of a, a good point to uh, to take exception to something like that. I don't know. I'm kind of split down the middle. I'm almost on the point of I, I don't mind it, but I don't think it's for the right reason that I don't mind it. Um, this is my take. The unwritten rules in sports are just trash. They're yeah. old. They're out of date. They're old school. These fans are spending so much money to go to these games to see something like that happen. Right. Um, in baseball, when a batter does the crazy bat flip and it's unwritten, you're not supposed to do that. Like, get out of here. I'm tired of that crap. Listen, the New Orleans Pelicans have been battling this uphill battle for three to four years where Zion doesn't get the respect that he deserves around the NBA. They're now the number one seed in the West because of that win. The Suns took them out last year, as Zion alluded to. I, I loved it. Like, you know what? The Pelicans put finally got to make their statement to the NBA. And if the Suns are that upset about it, we'll go do something about it tonight. I just love where the Pelicans are. We can go on and on and on about this. They have a game with the Suns again today at 3.30, um, which is during football. So I'll be watching two screens at once. But I absolutely loved it out of Zion. It's a statement from him to the league saying, you know what? I deserve my credit. 
And, you know, if the people are going to get upset about it, that's fine. But, uh, you know, there's no reason for him just to dribble it out. You know, I'd rather see something cool like that. I have no issue with it. I think the unwritten rules are outdated. And I think um, it was a it was a big moment for Zion and the Pelicans to say that we're the best damn team in the West as they are today. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I don't really have a big issue with it. But with that being said, um, we'll roll into a few things. We had Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and James Harden all come back from injury. Chris Paul and James Harden looked a little meh. Damian Lillard just picks up right where he left off. Um, he he's been bombs, absolutely yeah. yeah. Did you watch that Nuggets Blazers game at I all? I did, did get, actually. Yeah, they had like eight, nine, ten um, lead changes in the last like four minutes of the game. It was just yeah. back and forth. I have one question for you. Is Damian Lillard the most clutch player you've ever watched? Uh, Jordan was a little bit before our time. But right. besides that, do you like is there another guy you'd rather take a last shot other than Damian Lillard? Kobe Bryant would be my only other one. And yeah. I, I it's hard cuz I <laughs> Kobe Kobe's just Kobe. Uh, he's uh, I mean he, he, I don't know. I I would Kobe would be my only other one that I could argue. But Dame Damian's got his uh, his case for like most like top tier most clutch player as well. Um, I I might just go I might just go Kobe just for the sake of that's what I grew up watching. But that's I think that would be my only bias because you could that could be a pickup. I yeah I think Kobe definitely has deserves all of his flowers in the clutch, but I don't know that he's been more clutch. I don't right. know, man. Now, I think Kobe's had some bigger shots, but Dame is just like every time it feels like the game is on the line and you need to make a shot, it's the same as Damian Lillard. Like, he's just going to make that shot. Like, he doesn't miss that many big shots. Uh, Kobe Kobe took all of them, which I completely respect, but it just feels like every time Dame shoots one of these big shots, going in, doesn't matter what platform he's on, doesn't matter the stage. I wish he's had one of these opportunities in a conference finals, NBA finals, but we obviously know the state of the Portland Trailblazers. But it feels like every time Damian Lillard pulls up for a big shot, it's it's you know the result. It's it's just that dagger, it's that Dane time. It's one of the most iconic things, and I think it's one of those things where like his resume might not be Hall of Fameish, but man, some of these shots he hits are just unbelievable. And I mean, you know me, man. Damian Lillard is probably my favorite non-Cav outside of LeBron James. So and he's always um, been my guy, and I just that's my dude. Yeah, uh, Damian Lillard been one of my top five favorite players in the. In the league as well. I just saw something quick sidebar that it must have been on a podcast or something where if he could like team up with anybody else, I think he's documented this before, but it resurfaced again or he, the question got brought up again. If he could play with anybody else, if he could form another team, he'd pick Giannis, and I would love that damn duo. But um, not sure if we're going to see that happen, but that would be fun. I would love to see them get Kevin Durant. Uh, the situation's not the same. It doesn't feel like Kevin Durant is looking to move now. They're playing well and all that, but um, Kevin Durant should have went there instead of Golden State years ago. But now he'll, you know, if that ever happens again, hopefully Portland is in a position to where they could potentially land a Kevin Durant. Yeah. With that being said, that's a story for a different day because right now the Nets are hooping. There's no, there's no trade rumors in uh, Brooklyn right now. Surprise, surprise. Um, with that being said, we have Deontay Murray sidelined for a couple for a couple weeks now with a sprained ankle, and uh, the, there's a lot of talk with the Atlanta Hawks with all the issues that with all the tension that's being built with Trey Young and Nate McMillan. Mike, um, what's going on with Trey Young? Like it just seems like this is starting to be a common theme every year. Uh, him and Nate McMillan are getting into it, um, and it wasn't just Nate McMillan; it was the coach before. The name is slipping my mind here. But he's just, he's just had multiple issues. And then if you hear, like, a lot of people talk about this, uh, a lot of people are saying that they're on Nate, Nate McMillan's side. He, Nate McMillan's rule has always been, if you don't show up to shoot around, you're not going to uh, start. And Trey Young thought he was going to be different and do his thing. If you have anything you want to say on that, you can. Uh, I, it's just starting to become really weird in Atlanta. Uh, the coach before Nate McMillan was Lloyd Pierce. Thank you. That's the name. Okay. Um, Not that I know that off the top of my head. I I Googled that quickly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about some Trey Young stuff later on. Uh, But this, yeah, these things keep coming up, and they keep being like a um, 
you know, a cycle, a cyclical thing. I think that's, you know, if that raises some eyebrows, raises some concerns. So I don't know. That's, that's a questionable move by Trey. Just, uh, you know, a lot of people are starting to question him, starting to question his leadership. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know if anyone listens to Bill Simmons podcast. I didn't listen to the whole thing, so I don't want to go crazy here. My understanding from the episode was that Bill Simmons is starting to say they're starting to take all these guards over Trey Young. People are starting to think Trey Young's highly overrated. Very interesting development coming out of Atlanta, especially when we thought they were going to be much better. And yet here they are sitting 500, but with an easy week ahead. So we'll see what they can do. Desmond Bain expected to miss another three weeks. That that sprained big toe is really starting to become something, but it doesn't look like it matters because Memphis, uh, I believe, is sitting half a game outside of the one seed in the West. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is out indefinitely with this heel injury now. Seems like it was only going to be a couple-week thing. And definitely Michael Porter Jr. can't stay healthy. And, man, do the Denver Nuggets really need him to stay healthy to get where they're trying to go. You can see the difference with him on the floor and him off the floor. They're not the same team. They really need that second kind of go-to score as Jamal Murray works his way back. Not going to be Michael Porter Jr., unfortunately. Bradley Beal is likely to miss a week with a hamstring issue. And here go down the Wizards. And I have to ask the question, Mike. It's the question that's always going to keep coming up. Like, is this the time that Bradley Beal is finally determining that he wants out of the Wizard, out of Washington? He didn't leave Washington before because he wanted the Supermax deal. He got the Supermax deal, and now he has the no-trade clause with it, so he can choose where he wants to go. Um, is this going to be the time where Bradley Beal is starting to think, like, it's time for me to get out of here? I personally hope so. <laughs> I, yeah. I've, I've said that. I want that guy. I respectfully want that guy out. I, I saw something um, from about – got to find a got it right in front of me about an hour ago this I, I saw it tweeted but an nba source believes kyle kuzma wants out of dc looking for like over a 20 million a season contract in a big market on a contender or with a contender and so you wonder if um washington hears this bradley beal hears this wonder what happens yeah are you there? Oh, it sounded like you cut out for a sec. My I way. think I did something. I had like some off video on a, another page um, pop up. But yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think Bradley Beal hears about this. Wizards hear about this. And then, I don't know, that again, just kind of raises some questions. People might start second guessing things. I, I hope Bradley Beal kind of takes this as a way out. Yeah, um, I hope so too, right? Um, it's the same reason that a lot of people want Damian Lillard out. They want to say, see these players compete at a higher level. I absolutely uh, love how loyal these guys are. His loyalty is like a huge issue these days. But these are guys I want to see competing on the highest stage because, A, they deserve that opportunity, and, B, these guys are that skilled. And sitting in a small market for as long as they have is a blessing, although sometimes it's time to move on. And it feels like right now is a good time for Bradley Beal to move on. Last news or note for the week. It looks like Robert Williams is set to return this week. I say that because he was questionable uh, for the Warriors game last night, in which, oh boy, they could have really used him. I don't know if you got to watch that game, but that game was pretty ugly. It seems like the Warriors might just own the Celtics, something we'll get into here in a little bit. But um, obviously, Robert Williams would add add a dynamic that the Boston Celtics really need. Um, Not, I mean, I just think it's really going to uptick their defense and, uh, you know, the defense has kind of just been getting by, but if that defense can get that uptick for Robert Williams with the offense they have going right now, it seems like they could go on a serious run here. Uh, you know, we were talking about the Bucks winning 60 games. It really feels like the Boston Celtics have set themselves up pretty nicely to win 60 games this year. Yeah, I think Robert Williams is going to be, we've, we've said it a lot on the podcast here, is that I, I think he's going to be a, a big uh, contribution to them mainly on the defensive end, but you know what can he bring offensively as well? And uh, Boston did not look good at all last night, like you said. I think I don't know if they had expectations that he was going to play, and then it didn't happen. Maybe that threw him off. I don't know. Um, but th- for that Celtics team just to kind of remain on top and uh, you know push themselves forward, uh, Time Lord's got to come back. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, especially because I had a, <laughs> I'm as defensive player of the year, so I need to not be made look like a fool so much. Oh, well, those preseason predictions, I've, I look like a fool all over the place, so don't feel bad. <laughs> and so as we get into that, let's go into a takeaway that we've had from the past week here. I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to start, and we've talked about this team for you and I specifically for a lot um, and a lot on the podcast here, but I'm going with the Pelicans, um, but mainly Mr. Zion Williamson. They are on a, let me pull this up so I got this right. I believe they're on a five-game win streak. So in those past five games, and I think this has all been without Brandon Ingram as well, so that's why some of these numbers might be a little inflated, but I think he's had a really good week. Like I said, especially his last five games. In the course of those five games, they've played Phoenix, their last game, Detroit, Denver, the Spurs, and uh, the Raptors. Zion's averaging uh, just over 30 points a game, um, nine and a half rebounds, and about five assists a game, shooting 68% from the floor. So that guy is, um, you know, carrying them right now through this stretch of when they've um, been going on this this win streak and maintain the top spot in the West. So uh, Zion really getting it done, really being a leader for that team. Again, that's with no Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram so, uh, you know, those numbers are bound to be a little more inflated, like I said. Uh, but that just shows me what this team can do even without another one of their stars. And, you know, they're ready to go out there every night. And whoever's on the floor, it doesn't matter who it is. They're just ready to go out and win a game. And, um, especially when Zion's able to do what he's doing and carrying this team. I, I see uh, a lot of growth from him in terms of a leader and, and just kind of the perennial all-star. So uh, really good stuff from Zion. Like I said, 5-0 and this week. He usually, on the season, he's averaging about 24.5. So he's up about six points um, in this uh, last stretch. So really uh, up in the ante. Just another guy who I thought had a, another decent week too was Embiid. Um, however, it's kind of a different story than uh, Zion here, where Philly's gone two and three, and really probably could have lost that. I, I think we we spoke off air about it, but probably could have lost that game against the Lakers as well. Uh, Embiid's last three games, he's got thirty-eight and twelve for rebounds, thirty-nine and seven, and then a tr- I almost said triple double, but thirty-five, eleven, and eight. So he's been doing good. They just got to capitalize on some wins. So, like I said, tale of two different uh, players having good weeks there, two and three versus five and else. Well, I, I understand with the 76ers, right? But for as banged up as they have been, don't look now, but the, the Philadelphia 76ers are sitting in the five seed. I see them the climbing. East. Yep. They're, they're slowly making their way back. Tyrese Maxey, I think they're saying around Christmas or just after Christmas or just before Christmas, like the Christmas day is like right around where he's going to be. Um, but with that being said, man, the 76ers are looking better. They're looking like they got some life. Joel Embiid is absolutely playing. I know we're going to say this for like so many different players, but man, it feels like the MVP pool is actually pretty deep this year. And it really feels like if Joel Embiid can keep elevating this team as they get healthy and get better, uh, the 76ers are going to be uh, who we thought they were in this East is going to get very loaded here at the top as we're looking at these top five teams. And I think all of them are situated to go on a decent run in the playoffs, and which makes the playoffs in the East very interesting. Um, and then as we talk about Zion, man, I talked about the Pelicans. I can sit here and talk about the Pelicans all day. I think they I don't know why they're not getting the credit that they deserve this team should be looked at as a potential NBA Finals team, man. They have it all. As I said last week, Zion Williamson is a superstar that gives you a puncher's chance. Zion Williamson is a top five MVP candidate right now. And what is going on with all the injuries for them to be able to sustain and be the one seed in the West is something that does not get nearly as much credit nationally as I believe it should. And I'm not sure why we're not looking at Zion in the Jason Tatum class, in the Luca class and the Giannis class, he's just that dominant. I understand the numbers might not be necessarily as high, but if you watch this guy play basketball, um, he's absolutely incredible. And I know that people are probably worried about him getting hurt. You can't worry about those things. We got to give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah. He is one of the best players in the world. 
And it's time for him to get his flowers and it's time for him to be looked at as a top 10 player because he's that dominant. I know it's different. He's a six, seven kind of power forward center kind of guy, but he's so athletic. The 360 windmill, that dunk was insane, but that lobby caught in the same game was even yep. might've been even crazy. Like it's just crazy how athletic he is. He's a bully. It reminds me a lot of Charles Barkley with just so much more athleticism. Um, and I just think it's time for us to look at Zion as a true perennial superstar. Yeah, absolutely, and I think he's, like you said, definitely, you know, making his claim for that. Um, dude's going to be no doubt an all-star this year, I think, and I, I think if they have a very successful season um, like they are having, I think that just puts him, uh, this sounds stupid, but just puts him on the radar even more, if that if that makes sense. Maybe there's a better way to phrase that, but just, yeah, I it brings that his, it brings what he does to light more, I feel. New Orleans is a small market, right? It's you know they they've been notorious for not getting love for their guys. Like Anthony Davis was a lot better than he is probably perceived when he was in New Orleans, even though we kind of thought he was always going to be that guy. For some reason, Zion just doesn't get that same attention. I I, I can't wrap my finger around it. It's it's it confuses me because when I watch this guy, I. This guy's elite. What he does is stuff you don't see by many other players, if any other player. He's that athletic, he's that strong, and he's just that dominant. And I think it just needs to get the credit that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that being said, we'll roll into my team here. And this, I just scratched my head. Like, I I don't know. I kind of wanted to bring this up with you and Jamie because it is so goddamn confusing to me on who the Los Angeles Clippers are. <laughs> Two and two weeks, they beat the Hornets on a Kawhi game winner. First game back, it was kind of good to see Kawhi have that moment. I was like, here we go, Kawhi's back. Um, this is what I thought. Like, I picked the Clippers to go to the goddamn finals. Like, I was like, here we go, man. I'm feeling good. Go lose to Orlando. Go lose to Miami. And Well, I have Miami here. Bam out of bio, ever since we called him out, is averaging like 28 points per game. I, I agree. <laughs> he, I he, he listened. He listened. Yeah, you know, he checked in. He heard the slander. He said, I'm better than that, and he's been better than that. But anyway, so they lost to the Heat, but then they beat the Wizards in John Wall's homecoming. That was quite um, quite a moment. John Wall played once with Houston in Washington, but last night was the first time with fans. And um, it was an awesome tribute. I, I was happy for John Wall. Uh, he says it's still his city, which it probably is, because they really haven't been relevant since he's been there. True. But... Um, yeah, but my main concern, this is my thing here. Kawhi Leonard obviously hasn't played much, and this is why I think not ramping him up is the concern. He averaged 14.3 points per game This just in these four in these three, well, three of the four because he sat on the second night of a back-to-back, which we know. He had 14.3 points per game in 29 minutes and only shot 37% from the field and 21% from three. He looks very passive. He used to be him running the, high, the pick and rolls with Zoo. But now it's Paul George. He kind of just sits on the side. I understand he's hurt, but like, come on, man. This is this is why I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm concerned that this guy isn't playing basketball because you just can't ramp it up whenever you want. And as we look at these numbers, these aren't Kawhi Leonard numbers. He doesn't look. He looks like a shell of himself, man. Like I'm legitimately concerned on who Kawhi Leonard is anymore. Like, is he even like one of these guys that we can rely on? Obviously, it's a little new back from the injury. But my guy, like we're talking, we're like we're at least a year and a half since he tore his ACL, and it's doesn't look, uh, it doesn't look good. Like I, I just I'm so concerned for them. And as negatively as we talk about them missing Kawhi Leonard, Paul George's missed time. We're sitting, they're sitting at 15 and 13, and they're sitting right in the thick of it in the West. I have no clue who these guys are. Like if they're healthy, is this a team that can make a finals run? I don't know. Like, I think that's always going to come down to who Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is. And from what I've seen out of Kawhi Leonard, it doesn't look very good. It's not Kawhi Leonard. I know it's not Kawhi Leonard. You know, like, it's not Kawhi Leonard any of us know. This is like first or second year Kawhi Leonard, and that's not going to get them to the finals. And I feel bad because Paul George is playing great basketball, but he really needs his sidekick to figure it out. And I understand he's been hurt, but at some point, man, we got to move on and we got to look at this like, Okay, who is he? And from what we're seeing, it's not very good. And it hasn't been very good this year. And the numbers are the numbers. They're the, fifth, they're the third worst offense in the efficiency terms. They 
score the least amount of points per game, and they're the fit, but they are the fifth best in defensive efficiency. So the roster is super deep. They have all these pieces, but when your superstars aren't playing, you're 500 basketball team. I, I I'm concerned. I don't know. I don't know what to make of the, the Clippers. I one week I'll think like, all right, they're going to put this together. These guys are going to come back. Then when they do come back, one of them, you know, Paul George is doing Paul George things. I have no qualms with Paul George. Comes down to the guy that they, uh, you know, comes down to the guy that they thought were going to was going to change his franchise. And we're looking at it right now, like it might be over with. What are your thoughts on the Clippers and Kawhi? Yeah, I just. You said it. I don't think they know their, let alone us, I don't think they know their identity. And I think that's problematic, obviously. My other question is, I know the professionals. I know they many of them have been doing this for, you know, a few years now, um, if, if not an extended period of time in the careers. But, like, night in and night out or at, at weeks or games, like a couple games at a time or a couple weeks or a week at a time, it, I feel like it's hard to get in a rhythm and to game plan for somebody like what would be your best player in theory coming in and out of the lineup. I know you could just roll the ball, the ball out there and it's basketball. I get that. And these guys can figure it out. But I don't know. Don't Would you not say that? If, if you have to kind of – you're practicing a certain way in a certain rotation and, you know, my role might be different – when Kawhi's in the lineup versus when Kawhi's out of the lineup. And I feel like the consistency and, and maintaining that role and, and really um, building chemistry, I guess, even though these guys have been playing now together for a few months and or years together, I feel like game in and game out, some of your chemistry or, or week to week may get thrown off. If you're having like a different, if your lineups are looking so different to where you have Kawhi in, or Kawhi out, Paul George in, Paul George out, both of them in, both of them out. I just think that messes with you at some point. Like you have no consistency, and that's, I guess, probably that may, the main contributing factor to why I don't think they have an identity. I don't think they know who they are. Are they a defensive-minded team? Are they a nitty-gritty, like we're going to be in the trenches type of team? Are we going to just roll the ball out there and try and score more than the other team? Like I, I just, I think that's the problem with the Clippers and. Not to say that they can't figure it out, but like, in order to figure it out, I feel like you have to have guys in the lineup playing every night. I don't know who Kawhi Leonard is anymore. I'm with you on that. And so I think that's what I think their problem is. And that's injuries are injuries. That happens. But at some point, push has to shove. And I mean, I just, for coaches game planning, it's like, okay, like, what do we, oh, Kawhi's in, is he out, is he in this week, he's questionable, how do we prepare for the game if he's questionable, stuff like that, so that's, that would be my thought with it. And huge credit to Ty Lue, I think Ty yeah, Lue deserves a lot of credit, because yeah, he's the one who's able to keep figuring this out, piecing it together little by little, hoping that he's going to get Kawhi Leonard, but I heard a crazy stat on the Clippers, they have 61 games before the All-Star break. So waiting to ramp up Kawhi Leonard like till January, that gives you a month and a half before All Star break. Like a and quarter after, of your games, right? After? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I did not know yeah. that. That's, that is a very yeah. interesting fact. Which and then and then after that, like the last uh, the second the month last month and a half, it's just very like they have like four back to backs, and you know he's not playing the second nights at all. So that's already like. He had like this is the time to start ramping it up because these are when the games are and the team needs to know who you are and what they need to do around you. Standing in the corner, being whoever this guy that you're not, like I said, he shot 21 percent from three. Um, I don't know, man. I I was high on the Clippers coming in. I thought they would just figure it out. There's still plenty of time for them to figure it out. They're only 28 games in. But like I said, they're almost at the halfway point before the All-Star break in their games, and like we still have nothing, nothing from Kawhi Leonard. And this team is not going to be anything without Kawhi Leonard. And I think, like I, I say it time and time again, if they don't do something this year or next year, they're going to look back at that trade with how good Shy or uh, Shea is, and they're going to really be wondering, like, what the hell did we do? Obviously, it's some a move that you make for Paul George and Kawhi, but uh, you can't you can't think that they're very happy with the return that they have gotten out of Kawhi and Paul George to this point. 
Yeah, I would think that. Not for what they gave up. Five first and no, too much. Let's roll into our power rankings, Mike. Who we got at five? Oh, let's dive in here. Uh, This may get a little heat for this. I'm going with Phoenix at five. Yeah, they have had they had a bad week. Let's just call it as what it is. Two losses. Did they have two losses? I know they had. I think they had three. I don't I think they, they, I know they had three. two losses, but I don't know if they had. Let me see here. They had, yeah, they beat San Antonio Sunday the 4th, lost to Dallas on Monday, big loss to Boston on Wednesday, and then lost to, yeah, the Pelicans on Friday. So dropped three in a row here, um, which is why I think they could get bounced out of, like, the power rankings. But I don't know. I think they still are, when I'm looking at how, things shape up and how they've been. They're still second overall offensive rating, 10th defensive rating, which puts them at a net rating of uh, four overall in the whole league. I think they figure it out. I think they had a bad stretch, no doubt about it. Maybe Chris Paul coming back in the lineup, just they needed a bit of an adjustment period with him, but Booker was not, Booker didn't have a good week. Booker's going to still be Devin Booker. I'm not worried about that. Um, just think it was kind of a rough week for them. So I still got them at five. Yeah, I, I'm still a little higher on them. At five, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they're a half game out of first in the West, and they've gotten 12 games out of Desmond Bain, and they've gotten 10 games out of Jaron Jackson Jr. I I don't know how they do it. I really don't. John Morant is a freak. Maybe he should be getting a little more MVP love than he's probably getting um, for where this team is. I thought they would take a step back because I think I thought they lost depth, but they just find ways to replace it. And Memphis, man, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Memphis is a scary team to me. If they're not even healthy and they have, they're still probably have a pretty good chance to be sitting at the one seat at some point here in the near future. They're only a half game out. Yeah. The Pelicans are playing really well, but I think what Memphis is doing is going under the radar and it's time that we probably start using our side eye at them and wondering what's going on because they haven't had two of their three best players for more than 12 games this year. I can't. Memphis is, and that's a team who I I was seeing, if they were going to fall into the five spot for me. I cannot figure out the, uh, the Grizzlies. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like tough for me right now. I, maybe I don't watch enough of their games. Maybe I, I don't really give them that credit. I just, maybe it's because of the injuries, but I, I Tough team for me personally to figure out. I agree. But since Jaron Jackson's been back, they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league, which is, man, if they're one of the best defensive teams in the league with J- uh, with Jaw and Desmond Bain, that's <laughs> that's something to think about because, uh, you know, they're fourth in defensive efficiency the last five, um, and their offensive numbers are still there. I believe they are their 15th. So it's only average, but when your defense is that elite and your second best score is out, um, I'm not too concerned with what's going on with Memphis. I mm-hmm. think they are elite, and I just think I just think that they're one good. They're like they're once they're healthy. Like I just think the sky is the limit for them. It was almost their 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 last year. They gave probably um, Golden State their toughest series, even tougher than Boston, in my opinion, uh, a year ago. But I think if we can see them run that back in the playoffs fully healthy, I think it's going to be a very interesting series. Uh, my number four team, I have the Phoenix Suns. I, Chris Paul came back. It's expected to slow them up in a way, right? A guy who's ball dominant is Chris Paul is. Um, you know, they're just going to take time for him to get back. Uh, concerning that they still can't figure out Dallas. Luka owns them. But the the loss to the Boston loss was pretty bad. There's no doubt. Like, you shouldn't just get beat as bad as they did. Um, but I'm really not too concerned. I just think it's going to take, uh, I think it's just going to take a minute to get, uh, Chris Paul reacclimated into, for them just to get right back into their group. I, I'm not really that concerned about this week for the Suns. Uh, they're still top 10 in all the key analytical stats. And I think though, that's what really matters. So I think, yeah, bad week for the Suns. I think they bounce back, might take them another week or so, but I think they're still going to be up here for a while. Uh, Who do you yeah. have it for? Well, yeah, I have a good point about the Suns. I had him, I gotta think, was it last week? I'm looking, I think I had him last week at two, so I feel like if I put him out of that top five, I gotta ride with him another week, like you said, kind of just to feel it out. Um, but at four, 
I got your Cleveland Cavs here. I'm, I've stuck with the Cavs, I think, for, um, or I, sorry, the, I've been on and off with the Cavs this week. They're back into the, the fourth spot for me. It's really, really their defense that does it. Um, their offensive rating is 12th in the league. Uh, their defensive uh, rating for, yeah, defensive rating I got as number one in the league, and which puts them, I like their net rating, uh, number three. They rank their opponents, I, I guess their defense ranks in like the top 10, or if not the top five for many um many categories for what their opponent is, is doing on offense. So I, I like teams. I've always said it defense travels. And I think moving on in the season, if your, your defense stays locked in, then I think that's just going to be a problem for people further down the line. I know I feel like they have games where they like highs and lows on and off a lot, but I hope they get a little more consistent and can figure it out. Donovan Mitchell still averaging 29 a game. Jared Allen's got 10 rebounds a game. Darius Garland's got almost eight assists a game. I like a lot of what they have on offense, too. So um, still rolling with the Cavs here at the, I believe, yep, the third in the East still. So um, like what they're doing still. Love the Cavs. The ups and downs are just a little too rich for me right now. I, I have them at yep. six. Like, I think they're fine. I think it's fine. It's going to take time. Donovan missed two games this week. but. Um, the ups and downs, just, oof, they're weird. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, just that. Okay. Um, boy, two and three, we're kind of, <laughs> I feel like maybe this decides if we have the same rest of the lineup. Uh, yeah, rest. for sure. I, I got Milwaukee at three. I yeah, we do. Been, I've been on Milwaukee throughout the whole season. Uh, wanted to put them at the two spot in a way, but then I kind of got breaking things down, and I'm not quite there yet. Um, offensive rating 16th in the league, uh, defensive rating second. I think they're starting to pick some things up now. Again, um, they did go on a slow stretch for a while, but getting it back, it looks like, um, and I got them fifth overall in their net rating. I think they went, yeah, they went four and oh this past week. I would said I wanted to watch them at last week's episode. Chris Middleton seems to be ramping up his minutes. I don't think he's on any restriction anymore. Um, Jan is still averaging about 32 and 11. So I, I still got them at three. I think they're fully healthy. I, I think we start to see uh, the more of the Milwaukee Bucks that we know. Yeah, I also have them at three. Um, there's no good reason other than the fact that I just think the two teams ahead of them right now are playing better. Yes. Um, yep. Milwaukee, you know. Milwaukee's going to be Milwaukee. They're going to be a problem in the playoffs. I think they're probably a better playoff team than regular season team. Um, I just say that because I think their defense will, you know, get tighten things up in the playoffs. I think they're going to be able to be okay offensively with Chris Middleton coming back, and he'll be well acclimated by then. Um, I, I just have a feeling that they're a better playoff team than regular season team now, which is weird because when we used to look at them, we used to think they're a better regular season team than playoff team. Um, but that's kind of the transformation that they're making. And I think that's the transformation that a lot of good teams have. And that's like the question we're going to be talking about here with the Pelicans. Are the Pelicans a better regular season team than playoff team? Yeah, probably right now just because of their depth. But um, and they don't necessarily have like that playoff experience. They got a good uh, series in last year when Devin Booker missed time against the Suns. And they were able to bring the Suns to six games. But um, with the number two team is the Pelicans. I just... I went on about the numbers last week. I'm not really going to do it again. We know who they are. Zion Williamson's going crazy. Uh, I love the Pelicans, man. I uh, I wasn't right a lot before the season about this NBA season, but it, I was definitely probably right about the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> Although the, the Golden State Warriors are getting hot. Um, they're playing well, um, you know, and this could obviously change. But right now, man, there's no one that you'd rather – there's no one – there's no way you'd want to play the Pelicans right now. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're beating legitimate basketball teams. And they're, they're doing it with a good, decent little margin, and they're the hottest team in the league. And with the way Zion's playing and without Brandon Ingram, it's it's, it's eye-opening. And once they get Brandon Ingram back, I, uh, I'm not so sure what you're going to be able to do against the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. Um, they – you said you had him at two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I I do as well. 
what are they in their last? I got one, two, three, four, five, six in a row. Six of their last one, two, three. Yeah, six of their last nine. Or geez, six of their last nine. Eight of their um, last nine. Eight of their last nine. Thank you. Yeah, they're rolling. You said it for all, all, all the reasons you said. Sixth overall in offensive rating, third overall defensive rating, second overall in their net rating. These guys have figured it out right now. And and again, no Brandon Brandon Ingram. And, you know, I, I think when he comes back, that's just kind of another person teams have to uh, play or game plan for. Um, we were – the Pelicans were a team we wanted to watch in the beginning of the year. They're, they seem to really be backing us up there. So, like you said, that's good that we're kind of right about that. But um, as long as they keep healthy, as long as they keep rolling with this, man, you said it. Uh, a, a Western Conference Finals, or who knows, even even NBA Finals is not out of the question by them, not by a, a, a far stretch. Um, I'm actually surprised that you – I think when did you have the Warriors in your top five? Was it last week or the week before? Jamie had him. Jamie had him at oh, four. Oh, Jamie had it. Okay. Yeah. Jamie yeah. had him at four. I was wondering where. Uh, see, I thought it was you. I was wondering if you would, they crept back up there. But yeah, you said it. Warriors are kind of rolling still. Um, but right now it's the Pelican show, and, and I'm the here Warriors for it. did have a tough week, right? They lost to the they lost to the um, yeah they had Utah. a bad loss. They lost to Utah, but that wasn't the bad. The bad loss was Indiana. They had a really yeah. bad home yep. loss against Indiana, where everyone played. And Andrew Nemhard went for 31, 11, and 8. And um, Tyrese Halliburton didn't play. I don't think Miles Turner played that night. That was So the Warriors have definitely had, like, a very weird week. But then, like, it felt like when they played someone who they thought was on their level, you know, they just raised their level back up, especially without um, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, just kind of, like I said, weird week for them. And our number one team, the Boston Celtics, for all the reasons that they always are going to be. Now, the question about the Celtics was last night, though. Does last night concern you at all? In the grand scheme of things, yeah, I know. We'll we'll hop into this. In the grand scheme of things, nah. I mean, everybody's entitled to, like, a bad game or an off game. And playing in Golden State against the Warriors, there's a lot of emotion there. I I don't know. That's uh, Grand scheme, no. That doesn't jump out to me is problematic. Now, no, I know we're going to get to a question that we can talk a little bit more, but no. Yeah, and with, you know, it might probably concern me a little bit more if they just didn't wax the brakes off the Suns. Yeah. Who I had as number two last week. I do know that. And I I, I don't know. It's a regular season game. Things are going to happen in the regular season. They didn't shoot it as well as they probably should have. Um, the defense was obviously the concern. Yeah, Tatum had a wicked off game. Which it's weird because, man, he's played Golden State. Man, Golden State has something figured out on him. One thing that I noticed in that Celtics game last night, though, the drop coverage on Steph and Clay ain't going to work. <laughs> they, that all, I mean, I get you have Blake, uh, Blake Griffin as your center, and, you know, he's obviously not going to be able but you can't just drop. And they just kept dropping, and Steph just kept, hit, kept hitting 30-footers, and, Clay had himself really not, a nice yeah. night, and he's been playing really well lately. And um, you know, Clay deserves his flowers, man. A lot of people, and again, I don't think a lot of people were talking about how well he has played lately, and mm-hmm. it seems like he's found his rhythm offensively. Yeah, that's a. I, I feel like we're gonna bleed into our other question here, but uh, that's what I would say is that listen, you you put. It's, we know Steph's been. We know Steph's been Steph. You know he's been cooking this this year. You know he's been doing really well. Um, Clay was off to a slow start. He's been figuring it out. But as Clay Thompson's getting 25-plus consistently, then you just woke up, you know, a, a different beast. And uh, individually, and Clay Thompson a beast, and the Warriors as a different beast. If you have Curry and Clay firing on all cylinders, and then you got to worry about Jordan Poole maybe giving you 30 randomly, that's, uh, you know dealing with a different type of monster. So something to watch out for. So if he gets it rolling, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. When the Splash Brothers are okay, so so the quite all right, so we're gonna roll into Swisher Dish right here. First <laughs> Swisher Dish, will the Warriors beat the Celtics in the finals again? Let's say they rematch in the finals. Does it go down the same way? I I'm, I'm gonna dish it. I think Boston's just a better team this year. But with that being said, as we are talking about these two teams specifically if Clay Thompson is playing like the Clay Thompson that we know, 
that's why the Warriors are so good. Like, yes, yeah, so we know what Steph's going to give us and how great Steph is and what he – but Clay Thompson's where really where things hinge on, and they really open up and become a different team, in my opinion. When Clay Thompson is on, I think the Warriors are just nearly unbeatable. And it's been, it's been that way for how many years now? Yeah. Um, I'm going to dish as well. I I think even and, – and this could realistically happen, so it's like a really good question. Um I just think if the Celtics get them again, I, I think they they get them. Like they, they, it's their year. They've gotten too much invested. I I think just the drive, the hunger, the you know the show up, the or, revenge, or go home, the revenge, the Jason Tatum really establishing himself and, and his legacy. Uh, not to mention Jalen Brown too. Like I think sometimes you talk about Jason Tatum's legacy. Like Jalen Brown ain't no like chump either. So. I, I think he's got things to prove as well that, you know, it's not, hey, it's not not just Tatum, it's me out here you got to worry about too. You, you hope Rob Williams is healthy if that were to happen. I just think, you know, they are going to look at, like, the game, like, last night. I, I'm sure they match up. Will they match up again at some point this season? I, of course, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but my guess would be they they probably play another game. Yeah, they um, I don't know if they have a Christmas Day game or not. I can't remember. But uh, you look, and then you look at that game last night. Another game they play this season, and then the series um, from last year. And I think they really pick apart that. They they got to figure out what what how the Warriors are guarding Tatum and what we can do to figure it out. Um, That's my concern about this series is Jason Tatum. Man, he just hasn't played yeah. well against Golden State. Two big players didn't play last night. The Warriors didn't have um, Andrew Wiggins, and the Celtics didn't have Robert Williams. And those are two starting pieces for both teams, and that changes a lot in the in the game. But the concern with me, man, Tatum wasn't good against them in the finals last year. Tatum wasn't really good at all. 21 shots um, to score 18 points last night. And yet Jalen Brown, he has to get carries the load against them. It's like they have something with Jalen Brown, and they really need Jason Tatum to step up. I, I I just I'm someone who's gonna bet on Jason. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm with you. I would bet on him too. I'm if he were, they were to face again each other, face each other again in the series. I'm not betting on Tatum having a lackluster series again. Malcolm Brogdon with that addition, you hope he can kind of yeah bring nice in, night last night. Yeah, he, you hope he can continue to bring in some good energy, um, some contribution off the bench. Um, Derek White still doing his thing. No, we said no Al Horford. I don't know. I if they were to match up again, I know we're going extensive on this. If they were to match up, I would just I would have to go Boston. I it hard it'd be so hard not to. Blake Griffin hasn't been getting a ton of minutes these past couple of years either. And I think Blake Griffin getting minutes is not gonna be a thing when in basketball matters. Obviously it's unfortunate because I love Blake Griffin and what he's done to the game. But he's he's a shell of what we know Blake Griffin can be. And I think when we're talking Al Horford and Robert Williams, it's just a huge, huge difference. Difference when we're talking about that. Yeah. Um. Are we good here? I think so. We so. Both, so we both dished, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh. Next wish or dish we have there. There should be legitimate concern about Trey Young's leadership ability. This is a hot topic this week. A lot of people were like questioning if Trey Young was trying to get himself out of Atlanta. I'll let you start here. I know he. Um you know, talked about some of this in an interview and he said like, I don't know, a private conversation or some issue gets like exploited by the media, this and that, albeit true, but like, let's, this, this comes from somewhere, obviously. I don't know if I believe him wanting out of Atlanta. I don't, I don't know. I, he, he knows Atlanta is his. and I think he kind of likes that. Um, but I do question, so I will switch in the sense that I think there are concerns about his leadership ability. I don't know how much he takes accountability. When I say I don't know, as in I, I truly don't know, and that's, maybe that's problematic. I'm not sure how much accountability he takes for himself. I don't um, think he takes any. That's yeah, and, and I don't, I don't. again, I don't know. I know in front of the cameras he might say the right things a lot of times. I don't know if he's one to like point the finger at like, you know, if well, because this guy wasn't doing this, this is why this happened. Or I did my job, he didn't do his job, and that's why we lost. I, again, I don't know that. I don't. I don't know if I've overtly seen that from him. But if I'm kind of reading into Trey Young a little bit, and 
I guess it's more of just a feel. I could kind of see him being like that. I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't want to say he's like spoiled in a way or anything like that. But maybe he thinks like he's he's bigger than he is in a sense, and that he's got this self um, self proclaimed like right to things, or like I'm Trey Young, like I deserve this, 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 and that. And it's like, yeah, man, you're like one of the faces of the league, no doubt. But like, slowly roll a bit. And again, he hasn't. I haven't seen this. He hasn't said it. I just get sometimes some weird vibes from him in that department and like the leadership and what you want as, as the face of your, your team. So yeah, I'll switch on this. I think there are some concerns about his, his leadership ability. Yeah. I think this is an easy switch. The fact that he will not defer, like, right. It's still the same usage that we saw for the last couple of years with Trey. It's just the same style of bass. Like it's just not going to get it done. Trey. The same thing when I look at Luca, man. Like these these guys who are just so ball dominant, who don't know how to play off the ball in any way. Like Luca, I understand doesn't have Deontay Murray, so that's one thing. But he Trey has Deontay Murray. Like go run off screens, go be go be effective off the ball, go create chaos elsewhere so your teammates can do. To me, Trey is just a very selfish basketball player, and I don't like calling people that, but. You know, I you got to be able to defer. Like you got to be able to rely on your teammates and have trust in them. And I think, like as a leader, you don't if you show that you don't have trust in those teammates, it's gonna it's gonna burn down and crash. And the incident this week, as I alluded to earlier, like like players for the um, Hawks are saying that they're on Nate McMillan's side, and they should be. Like Nate McMillan's always had this policy. Like why does Trey Young think he's different? Like you're a leader, bro. You're a leader. You need to be just like everybody else. But you need to be there for your teammates and not playing in a game because of that is selfish. And it's, you know, I know you're dealing with injuries. I mean, we're at the point where it seems like a lot of people are dealing with injuries. But listen, like, you need to be there for your teammates. And it feels like it's like very Trey, like self-centered Trey Young. And if he's going to be self-centered, I that's bad leadership. That's terrible leadership because that's just going to rub off on everybody else going to create this culture that's not going to win you a lot of basketball games so i just can't believe that two years ago they were just in the conference finals as a team or as, as a team we didn't expect to get that far and now this is how we're looking at them and it's it's unfortunate man because i i like atlanta but i like trey and you know i you know the defensive concerns like he can't guard anything he's probably the worst defender in the league but he's so good offensively I don't know, man. I just need him to buy in, and he's not buying in. And the Hawks feel like they're spiraling out of control here. Like they're down to 500. Um, they just gave up three first, and now when we're talking about them giving up three first, like how, like how is this helping Deontay Murray wanting to stay in Atlanta? Like, yeah, why? I I don't I don't understand. Let me give you some other stats that I thought of and, and definitely wanted to confirm. He's he's also not shooting well this year at all. And, no, it's, I mean, specifically from three point range, three point range. Um, his, let's see here. His career regular season, three point percentage is a 35 flat, which, okay, pretty good. Um, how about this season shooting 28.9? So definitely down a bit. I'll give you this, Steve. How about in the last, I know you probably don't have seen his last five games, but just go ahead Humor me. How about his last five games? What do you think his three-point percentage is? It's bad. It's like 23% or something. How about 18? Yeah, I knew it so was really bad. I think that he knows that, too, that he's not shooting well. I wonder if there's a little underlying frustration in that department, too, and it's carrying over into other aspects. Yeah, and you can't let that happen. You nope. really can't. And with the way the East is designed right now, um, you need to be your best at all the time. and Obviously, you're going to go through shooting slumps. I'm fine with that. But when you just live and die and you just keep chucking and you're not trying to find ways to get other look, catch and shoot shots off screens and little things that he could do to help his basketball team that he's refusing to do is not a good sign. I don't think he wants out of Atlanta, but him putting the blame on Nate McMillan ain't going to cut it. No. I don't think Nate McMillan's like the greatest coach, but I definitely think that Trey Young should be trying to do his all oh my relax. He should be trying to do his part in a bigger way. Uh, with that being said, let's go on to our next question dish. The Memphis Grizzlies are the most dangerous team in the West. 
Push I'm this mic. Dishing that. And that that's no slight against them, but the most the most dangerous team in the West right now is the Pelicans sitting on top, not fully healthy. And then after that, yeah, maybe maybe Memphis, but I'm, we just we just said it. We just had a conversation about it. if Golden State gets rolling here, Clay Thompson gets uh, back to kind of the Clay Thompson that everybody remembers him. That team is dangerous to me just because they just another recipe for success. Um, I I don't know. I, again, Phoenix was playing outstanding. Um, dropped some this week, but uh, there's there's just a lot of teams that I think could be really dangerous in the West right now. And and Memphis is certainly in that mix. So I'm not trying to, you know, cut them down a little, but right now the most dangerous team to me is the Pelicans. They had, they, they had, all, they have it all and not doing it without a, a, one of their all-stars as well. So, for me to say that the Grizzlies are the most dangerous team in the West, I gotta gotta dish it. Mike, I ah, I want to switch this so bad. I know it's crazy, but man, when I look how good this basketball team is without Desmond Bain and how the set that he has taken, Jaron Jackson, man, is just changed this team defensively. Um, I I want to switch this so bad. I, I'm more worried about the Warriors being the most dangerous team. But yeah. the thing that gives me like hope with the Memphis Grizzlies is they gave the Warriors the best series in the playoffs last year. They went to six games. John Morant got hurt. And if John Morant doesn't get hurt and plays in game six and they somehow push that, I believe they John missed the game winner in game one of that series, which would have pushed that to a game seven in Memphis. And if we're playing a game seven in Memphis against that Golden State team last year, who I think may have taken a step back this year, and I think the Warriors are or the Grizzlies are better than they were last year because of how good Desmond Bain is. Desmond Bain's proven he can be a second legitimate option when Jaw has to sit and rest, or even when Jaw's on the floor, he can still handle and do his thing. I I think they're extremely dangerous, and I think right now I don't know that you can switch this because they need one more piece. But if they can find one more little piece at the trade deadline to really help that second unit, like a true six man, like a Jordan Clarkson, or something that can give them a spark when either, when Jaw and Desmond Bain are off, or one of them, you know, just someone that can really kind of help carry the load a little bit. Man, I am I'm so in on the Memphis Grizzlies, which I I didn't think we'd get here. I really didn't. I thought we'd talk yeah. we're talking about maybe a playing team this this team. But, man, their their defense is just legit with Jaron Jackson. Once they get Desmond Bain back, like, that offense gets very scary. I I mean, we're going to be paying attention next to them close for the next three weeks. With that being said, I'm going to probably dish this right now. But, man, I would love to switch this. And I think this is a very serious conversation that people need to realize. Like, if they have home court advantage, this could get very interesting very soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, like I said, Warriors. It's hard for me to not say that they have, they have all the potential to be. But I mean, you make a lot of good points in Memphis too. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Yeah, definitely tough. Um, but we'll get in here. Dame or next Swisher dish. Dame and Amphrey Simons are the best backcourt in the NBA. Mike Swisher dish. Uh, did you? Was there a post about this? Did you see this? Yeah, I did. Okay. Okay, and so I, I Hoops, Hoops that's Legion. That's exactly who it is. Um, and then did it compare? Uh, it compared those two to Donovan Mitchell yeah. and Darius Garland. Boy, the, I don't know. I, but then you bring Desmond Bain back in into, into it. John Moran. Oh Desmond, yeah. Oh yeah. Do, I don't. Desmond. Yeah. This is like this is a very. And then we're still talking about Trey Young and Deontay Murray too. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna say dish. Um, I I actually think Anthony Simons is a little bit inconsistent with with Dame because like he'll have games where I think they play last night. Yes. What did he? I got. They both went off last night. It was a couple of nights did. ago when Anthony Simons went 0 for six from three and like yeah. 15 or 16 from the field. And maybe that's just a bad game, and that's fine. But I. I've also seen, I feel like I've seen games where like Dame might have 25, 30, maybe he just has this really solid game, and Simons might just go like 12 points, eight points, and then Jeremy Grant has a good game, and 
that's that's no knock on anybody. I just I don't know. Sometimes maybe I I think it's hard for them to really coexist successfully. Not successfully, but like to be, to the point of where I say they're the best backcourt. Um, so I'm gonna dish it in the sense that I, I actually like I think it's hard for me not to say that Garland and Donovan Mitchell they they have all the potential to be the ba- the best backcourt in the NBA for me. I yeah, that's my best backcourt in the NBA. I'm biased, so like you people could take this with a grain of salt, but they are the leading they're the highest scoring duo in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell's defensive resurgence this year really helps them on that end of the ball to where like I don't think Simons or Dame can kind of do that. That's kind of why I like like Trey and Deontay, because Deontay's defensive upside can give them more in that situation. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm dishing this. I still think it's Darius and Donovan. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, you, if we get Desmond Bain and John Morant fully healthy, we said it way early, Desmond Bain was playing at an all-star level, like, it's tough to say that that duo can't be considered as well. Absolutely. Especially with the way Desmond Bain has started playing football this year. Yeah, definitely. Or football, yeah, basketball. Well, Jeez, <laughs> yeah. It is Sunday, all right? But uh, you know where my head's at. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he's been hooping, man. He's been hooping. Um Probably could be a decent football player. That's yeah, a third dude, for Yeah, dude's, dude's swell. Yep. This one's the easiest to me, I think. Um, I, Zion Williamson should be in the MVP conversation. Swish or ditch. I'm you saying swish. Got What he it. has done for the Pelicans, he's really elevated their their way of play. We know the numbers from the last five games that you talked about earlier. I think this team is – I mean, I think they're – Every bit of the Western Conference Finals team. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, swishing this as well. Uh, I, I know we talked about Tatum being the front runner. I, I'm still in that boat, but that doesn't front runner doesn't mean like running away with it. And I think you you mentioned earlier this uh, episode that the MVP race is pretty deep, and and in that pool of players that we're talking about there, Zion Williamson hundred percent is in, uh, you know, right at the top of that list. So uh, absolutely should be in the race for MVP. And I hope that he continues to build off it, even when Ingram comes back, not just these games where he's out. So uh, yeah, hundred percent swish. We have uh breaking news. It looks like Paul Silas has just passed away. 79 years old play or coach in the NBA. Um, three-time NBA champion. Um, so condolences to him and his family. It's obviously uh, unfortunate news to break, but as it just pops up, that is... Ooh, Paul Silas is a, a figure in the NBA that a lot of people know and should know, and just one of those guys that, uh, you know, you hate to lose. Absolutely. All right, Mike, let's, let's wrap this thing up. And let's roll into our what we are watching for next week. I'll go. I'll start here. Uh, I'll be watching for the Toronto Raptors, 500 basketball team. Um, I expected them to be a little more down, but I think a lot more people expected them to be much better. Who are the Toronto Raptors? Like it's just it, that's my big question. Who are the Toronto Raptors? Might be under 500 if LeBron and AD didn't miss that game this week on Tuesday or Wednesday. Sorry, um, but. I, I don't know who the Raptors are. We're going to get a good look at them this week. They play Orlando tonight. Uh, should be a fairly easy game for them. But then they play the Kings on Wednesday, Nets on Friday, Warriors next Sunday. Big week for the Toronto Raptors. And I think we're going to be able to you know, get a little better read on who this team is. Are they going to lock in and go on this run that I think many people expect them to? They've been banged up early this year. But when they've had their guys, it's not been as fluid as many would hope or thought it would be. Um, the Raptors. That's what I am watching for this week. Go ahead, Mike. Alrighty, I got. I'll start here with uh, Tuesday. The Bucks and Warriors face off in Milwaukee. I just kind of like that game because it could be potential finals. You know, especially if the Warriors are going to get hot again and the the Bucks kind of stay healthy and continue to grow. So, um, I just like that matchup. You know, that's definitely a star-studded uh, game. And then overall, like I, I do want to see how the Phoenix Suns uh, react. Uh, I, I say react, I guess, yeah, kind of respond to, you know, their bad week last week. They do have the Pelicans today, yesterday. Um, and then they have Houston, they have the Clippers, but, you know, they, they square off against the Pelicans um, next 
next Saturday again uh, in Phoenix. So especially when you put, this will be their third game in two weeks now. Is that right? Yeah. Isn't that strange? Yeah, absolutely. So the NBA I, schedule gets weird. It does, right? Um, so I like. I think the Bulls have something weird too. They play. Yeah, they play New York. Oh my God, they play New York in New York on Wednesday and in New York on Friday again. It, it's just very interesting. But uh, I, I think with the Pelicans and Suns here, we see we got like a little bit of a rivalry kind of uh, you know being established, especially when you play a team three times. In two weeks, both kind of at the top of the West and with now with this kind of Zion, like 360 dunk at the end, I think there's a little animosity. Well, actually, no, there definitely is animosity between the two. So, um, like I said, I want to see how the Suns react, but specifically, you know, those two games against the Pelicans. Absolutely. Those are going to be two great basketball games. Uh, that game starts at 3.30 today. Can't mm-hmm. wait to turn it on. I'll be mixing in a little bit of NFL Sunday. With a with a great NBA game, as we should all hope to see. Obviously, this won't be out before the people for them to hear, but uh, they should be tuned in because that is going to be a battle, and it's like you said, turning into a rivalry kind of musty TV. Suns knock out the Pelicans last year. Zion comes back, puts a statement on it. Now you're going to see a much better Suns, you know, much more focused and locked in Suns team because obviously they're going to be, you know, a little salty with how that all ended as they were. But with that being said, Mike, let's get your final uh, comments as we roll on out of here into another week of the NBA. I mean, we're we're really starting to get deep here. We're close. I mean, we're we're twelve games away from being the, at the halfway point. That's just where we are already. Yeah, um, it's getting that time of year where you know some plots start to thicken, some trade rumors start to kind of. Uh, surface here and you know the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking about or we got like the christmas day schedule and that's really I, I mean watching football on uh thanksgiving is amazing college football on like you know january 1st uh new year's day is big too for me man i love watching nba basketball on christmas day it's just like an all-day thing so we got that coming up in a few weeks i'm excited for that um yeah i don't know big things happening so We'll be on the lookout for them. We'll definitely be doing a bonus episode for the Christmas Day games. We'll do some Christmas stuff as that gets here. That is, that's the holiday, man. Like that, Martin Luther King Day and Christmas Day are like the two monumental days for the NBA. Kind of where people start to really tune into the NBA a little bit more because, you know, you got the contenders who really start to uh, solidify themselves. You got the pretenders who really start to fall out of the race. And that's where the season really gets thick. We're talking about roughly a month and a half before the trade deadline. So all the rumors start, things get hot, coaches start to get on the hot seat a little early. I can't wait for it. Mike, thank you for joining today. Um, we I appreciate what you do. appreciate what all of you guys do. We can't thank our listeners enough for their continued support. And with that being said, enjoy your football Sunday. And we will catch you guys next Sunday. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Nothing But Net NBA podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Nothing But Net.